Welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. Cynthia Hyatt is a relationship expert, executive consultant, life management coach. Cynthia Hyatt uses her 30 years of experience as a licensed psychotherapist to now offer in-office or concierge services through executive life coaching, consulting, and image management in order to help you be your own best version. Cynthia Hyatt also specializes in speaking to groups worldwide about how to be successful in your relationships as well as artfully handling life's challenges. Find her online at CynthiaHyatt.com and make sure to follow her on Facebook and Instagram. Now, with today's fresh insight, Cynthia Hyatt. Well, good afternoon. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm always really excited to know that people are wanting to be the best version of themselves and to learn how to really do life well and to honor God at the same time. And so I just thought we would maybe do a show about change and the pain of change. Now, I have talked about change in the past, and so, but I thought it might be a really good way to just do it again, to really think about, wow, we have so much change going on, and it is so uncomfortable, and it is quite the dilemma. And so in the English Standard Version of the Bible, <clears throat> we have this famous change that occurred. The biggest change the universe has ever, ever experienced. And it was when Jesus said, but of, when God said, But of the tree of knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat it, you will surely die. And Adam and Eve did. And so we are now in this cataclysmic cosmos trying to deal with what that one choice did. That one thing changed everything. And God's been accommodating that the entire time. So change is inevitable. Now, you know that famous saying, nothing's permanent except change. Or the only constant is change. Nothing endures but change. So Heraclitus of Ephesus, he was around in 535 BC. He died then and was a Greek um, philosopher. And he was known for his doctrine of change being central to the universe and for establishing the term logos which in Western philosophy as the meaning for both the source and the fundamental order of the cosmos. So one of the other ways you can really look at this is the only thing you can depend on is change. You know, I, I don't know about you, but I, I like change as long as I'm the one that's making it happen. I'm the one that wants it to happen. So we're going to really address change. And there are, all, there are three types of changes that happen. And what results from change, how dealing with change, that, that resultant loss or gain, the difference between positive and negative stress, and how that stress and loss really makes for great pain oftentimes, even if the change is good. And so we either have pain for gain or pain in vain. And God really gave me that saying probably 10 years ago when I really realized that pain is always going to be here because change is always occurring. So I can either have that pain create gain in my life or the pain will just be in vain because all I'll do is survive it, but I won't have an appropriate change because of it. So this is imperative when you look at change. It's either going to be for pain, and it's going to be in vain, 
or it's going to be for some kind of gain. And really, we have a choice about that. So I really like the quote from Harold Wilson, <coughs> excuse me, in his speech to the Consultative Assembly of the Council of Europe in Strasbourg. This was in France on January 23rd, 1967. And I love this quote. This is what he says. He says, who, he who rejects change is the architect of decay. The only human institution which rejects progress is the cemetery. How profound is that? He who rejects change is the architect of decay. You reject change. You refuse to do necessary changes. And you now become the architect of your own decay. And I thought that was so powerful. So the unhappiest generation is the group most afraid and resistant to change. Afraid to evolve from fashions, lifestyle, music, expression of their earlier years. So this doesn't mean we have to abandon all the things that are meaningful to us or that are comforting or familiar <coughs> or poignant, maybe even sacred. But we must adapt. So think about music and technology and fashion. Now, you know, I was a big 80s girl. That's when I was in college and in my young adulthood, and I loved the 80s. I mean, it was like everything was big, and it was powerful, and it was gaudy, and we wore all kinds of costume jewelry. It was absurd. I looked at pictures when I was, uh, you know, at that age, and I can't believe those fashions. And so if I weren't able to change from that fashion, think how ridiculous that would be if I was walking around looking like the same way I dressed in the 80s. I don't think I would get a whole lot of respect. And so we also have this tendency to be afraid of change. And this is why we might be afraid. And if we are, we need to do it afraid. I'll give you a great example. My mother, she is now 87 and lives in the house that I grew up in and is very independent. She still drives. She walks her dog every night around the block. She does, you know, a computer She's really proficient on the computer, has an iPhone, has an Alexa that she loves in her house. And so she really adapted. Now, why did she do that? She didn't necessarily want to learn computers or, or an iPhone. But she wants to be current. She wants to be relevant. She wants to talk to her grandchildren. And they all have iPhones. And they all use the computer. And so even though it's tough, she continues to learn how to do modern technology. And I'm, I, I really admire her ability to do that, her ability to adapt and change from the way she grew up in. She grew up in the, in the Great Depression. So if you are 50 and older, <clears throat> you know, we may feel invisible, marginalized, may retreat into our own little microcosms because we want to share some need for familiarity. But retreat means staying stuck. It's like being the walking dead. So this is not to say that anybody over the age of, you know, even 40, 45, that we, we don't abandon what's familiar and comfortable, but we use it as an arena of familiarity, as a platform, a place to strengthen us, to give courage, and to encourage us to venture out into the world. Why? 
Because whether you realize it or not, the world still needs you, still needs all of us. God still needs you. And if the only thing we have to offer is an example of how to live well at our age, we have given the world a great gift. See, younger people are always watching. So we don't just want to be an example of how not to be. We want to show them how to age gracefully, to embrace the fact that God still sees it fit to keep us here. So personally, I I sometimes just want things to be done. It's tough down here. And it doesn't really seem to be getting easier, does it? So I want to ask you, what has changed in your life? So the reason that I wanted to reintroduce this show is because we have had a tremendous amount of change in our lives just in the last five weeks. And we're seeing it happen everywhere we go. And it can be quite depressing. And it can be scary. And it has altered the entire way we do our lives. And so I want you to think about how are you managing all these changes? Being six feet away from people? Wearing a mask? Wearing gloves? Not being able to go to your workplace? Maybe you're having to work at home. Maybe you're just furloughed. I've had so many people that have been furloughed. How are you managing seeing our city shut down and wondering who's going to get sick next? So how do we do this? How do we manage these types of things? How does God want us to do this? So thinking about this and understanding that we are made for change, God is a God that is always changing without losing who he really is. So he never lets go of the values, never lets go of his moral code, never lets go of his identity. But he is able to be relevant in every single century of this world. Every single, from the beginning of time to the end of time, God is able to be relevant. So he has made that in us. We need to manage change. We need to embrace change. We don't always have to like it or enjoy it. But change is inevitable. Sometimes it's permanent. Sometimes it's not. But because change produces stress and oftentimes creates losses, I mean, even if the change is positive, there's going to be some stress and some kind of loss. It's kind of like winning the lottery. If you've read any of the statistics about people that won the lottery, the majority of them, it it ruined them. It ruined them. It didn't make their life better at all. It made their life so much more complicated, and it ruined many of their relationships. So stress and change are two dynamics that humans tend to dislike. And oftentimes we resist this, don't we? So we know this is true because stress and loss, even if it's positive, are at the least uncomfortable and at the most can be excruciatingly painful. So I want you to think about watching your child grow. How, how amazing it is. It's like overnight sometimes. You think, oh my gosh, they're older. Seeing your parents age. Seeing fads change. So this is, sometimes these changes are necessary, sometimes they're needed, sometimes we initiate them, sometimes they're thrust upon us. 
So we do know that as humans, that humans by nature gravitate toward what's pleasure and pleasurable, and we naturally resist pain. And see, the seasons of life are stressful. If that's the only stress that you have, the seasons of life are tremendously stressful. And stress always creates this critical juncture for us. Are we going to let the pain created by this change be in vain? Or will we allow the pain of that change to be for our gain and for the gain of others? Because we know there is never no pain. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Stick with me as we talk more about the pain of change and how we manage currently what we're going through. Well, welcome back. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host, and you are listening to Conversations with Cynthia. Thank you so much for tuning in. And if you're just now tuning in, you can listen to the show in its entirety on the website at CynthiaHyatt.com. You also have the option of downloading the show straight from my website, and you can send it to your friends. You can share it with others. We have study um, guides at this point for each of the shows, and so you can use them as a group. A small group, you can do it with your spouse, you can do it with your friends. Whatever you want to do, you can listen to the show and then use the study guide to help you really hone into what was the most important points of the show. So we are talking today about the pain of change and how painful change is. And I don't know about you, but we've had a tremendous amount of change. Now, myself and my husband, we have not had near the change that many of the people I know have had and have had to contend with. But this is a tough time. And so earlier in this show, we talked about this whole dilemma that happens with change and that nothing is permanent except change. I'm sure you've heard that saying. And that the only constant is change. Or maybe you've heard nothing endures but change. And God is a God of change. Now, the nice thing about, you know, the Lord is that he is not wanting to change things for our our are for something worse. He's wanting to change everything for our betterment. But he also knows how painful change is. He had to endure that phenomenal change that Adam and Eve brought. The first people on the planet. And we see that in the English Standard Version. It says, but the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in that day you will eat of it and you will surely die. And so God was very clear. He says, listen, you can do anything you want. There are no rules. There are no limits. Just this one. Do not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And so at that moment, they immediately grew up. And it wasn't necessarily good growing up. And so this is how we want to remind ourselves that change is always going to happen. There are some changes that we have a little bit of choice over. There are some changes that we choose. Some changes are just natural. They're going to happen. They're inevitable. And some changes are thrust upon us. So I want you to ask yourself, what has changed in your life? And we all have in common, we share with the entire world, the change of just feeling safe being outside, 
just feeling okay and comfortable being around people. Our, all of our schedules have changed. The way we interact with people have changed. What we're allowed to do has dramatically changed. And so we know that change produces stress and it creates losses, even if the change is positive. And we talked in the last segment about the lottery winner. But you would think that was really positive, but most of the research indicates that anyone that has won the lottery has become worse because of it. So managing whatever the change is, is one of the biggest issues that we have. So we know that humans are going to gravitate toward pleasure and they naturally resist what's painful. And so this change that we're in right now can be quite painful. It can be re really isolative for some people. It, can, it has really stopped a lot of the socializing that people are allowed to do and can do. It's really affected people's finances. And so it, there's always this stress that occurs. And so we have to ask ourselves, what are we going to do with this pain? How are we going to let this change actually cause us to be more Christ-like, to be like the people that God has originally envisioned us being, to really be the best version of ourselves. See, nobody can do all as bad of a Cynthia as I can, and nobody can do as good of a Cynthia as I can. So the choice is, what version of Cynthia am I going to be? Then I don't get to choose whether or not I'm going to be Cynthia. That's already been decided by God. That is not going to ever change. I'll be Cynthia forever. So this is imperative that we understand what we can change what we, and what we cannot change and how we are going to deal with the change. So you see, God has designed humans for stress. It really is part of the creative process. And stress creates change. Change creates stress. And hopefully it will manifest as new strength, new beauty, and new depth. That's what we're wanting hardship to do. That's what we also want great successes to do, to change us for good. So choice here is the operative word. And you know that we as humans, we have free will. So we can decide how to deal with, how to respond, how to react to stress, change, and the pain that it brings. So there is, you know, a plethora of literature that expresses you know, the resultant beauty of pain. And we have examples upon examples of story that exemplifies this phenomenon. And it must bring God such amazing heartache to see that the pain that humans endure many times brings out the best in them. How sad is that? And what I say to people all the time, I, I created this saying, I said, you know, if there's anything good in someone, pain will find it out. And sadly, ease and pleasure really rarely produce valiant or admirable humans. And so this really would only occur if the pleasure <clears throat> and the ease are a byproduct of overcoming or enduring some kind of great and painful hardship. So it's kind of like the bloom after a long cold winter. And we see it even in nature, the old has to die for the new to come. And so there are reasons, and there are seasons, and there are reasons for seasons. And so I want you to read this, uh, I want you to hear me read you 
this wonderful uh, excerpt from a book called Streams in the Desert. And it's from May 31st and July 7th out of this book. It's called Streams in the Desert. And it is really one of my favorite devotional books. And this is what it says. Because change is inevitable, we oftentimes work harder at resisting and fighting the inevitable rather than growing through it and becoming stronger people. We use all of our strength to fight and resist. The strongest trees don't resist growing, but dig their roots deeper to handle the strain of the storm. All their strength is used to drive their roots deeper and wider. This way, the tree is able to stay the vertical growth course by their roots versus using all their strength to fight the buffeting of the storm. So the tree can't change or hide from the storm. And when we try to control and mitigate the storms of life, we then allow the pain that stress and loss brings to activate our defense mechanisms. So these usually manifest as avoidance, resistance, control, aggression, dissociation, and intellectualization, numbing, or manipulation. Really great therapeutic titles, right? (laughs) But these defense mechanisms, I have to tell you, were not created by God. They were created by us. And they are created by us to protect ourselves in a very unhealthy manner. So although these defense mechanisms, they kind of help us survive the moment, they don't really help us thrive. They don't make us stronger people. They don't help us with endurance. This is Cynthia I with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me in the next segment as we talk more about the pain of change. Welcome back. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host. Thank you so much for joining me today. I appreciate always your willingness to listen and to learn and to really do the best you can to be your best version and to really be who God has originally created you to be. So we're talking today about the pain of change and boy, do we have a lot of it right now. The whole entire world is in flux and there's a lot of changes that are happening. Some good some not so great. And one of the things I left off with in the last segment is I really want you to know that I tell this to clients repeatedly. If there's anything good in someone, pain always finds it out. Pain reveals so much the character of a person. So I want you to think about that. I want you to say, you know, God, what are you going to do with me? How are you going to help me? How are you going to change me for the better? because of this circumstance that we're all in with, with, the, with this coronavirus. See, God didn't make the virus, but what God always can do is make a good thing out of a bad thing. So if we let him, he is going to be able to make us be people of depth, of more comfort, of more love, of more grace, more honesty, more endurance, and God gets more glory. And so this is a really important time for us to be able to take advantage of this really horrible thing and cause it to make us better people. Because this is one of the greatest ways to really make the enemy mad. I mean, he really wants to show God how terrible we are 
And God's saying to him, "Mm -mm, I know my people. I know my people. And this is really helpful because I want you to think about these these things we call defense mechanisms. And I, I read them to you in the last segment. The defense mechanisms manifest as we have avoidance, resistance, control, aggression, disassociation, intellectualization, numbing, manipulation. And that these defense mechanisms are not created by God. They are a survival issue that comes from our woundedness. And so I'm not saying to get rid of defense mechanisms necessarily. What I'm wanting you to know is the healthier you get, the stronger you become, the less your tendency will be to gravitate toward a defense mechanism. Because defense mechanisms usually begin to create problems versus fixing the thing we're defending against. And so this is why I want you to remind yourself, every loss has a gain, every gain has a loss. And if you can remind yourself of that regularly and see, and I I made up this saying, every loss has a gain, every gain has a loss. And I realized, you know, there's a lot of loss that we're incurring right now with the coronavirus. There's also been a lot of gain. Some of the gain has been that families have had more time to spend with one another. I mean, my neighbors are are like waving to me when I go out on a walk. They're saying hi to me. People are much more friendly in that way. People are taking seriously how great our country is and how important family is. And they're appreciating their jobs so much more, right? So God didn't make this loss happen. He's, He's not in the business of harming people. But what he's saying is, I'm going to give you gain for your pain. And I'm going to make a good thing out of a really bad thing. So I want you to ask yourself, how am I going to manage the three types of change? And what you'll see with the coronavirus right now is that we are having to experience all of them. So there are three types, and they have different variations and combinations. And these really follow, the, these are the following. It's either the change that I initiate, this is the one that's most tolerable because I've initiated it, then there's the change that's inevitable. So we know it's coming. That's like aging. And then the change that is thrust upon us. And that's the one that we are contending with most now. The change that we never asked for, we never anticipated, we didn't see it coming, we don't want it, it's creating pain. And so that change is one of the hardest changes to deal with and come out on the other side healthier, stronger, with greater character, and more hope. So this change, when it is thrust upon us, we have not, nobody asked our permission, nobody warned us about it, nobody prepared us for it. So when we're dealing with that type of change, we have to understand that we're going to be more prone to defense mechanisms, right? And things like more prone to manipulation, more prone to aggression, more prone to numbing ourselves with substances, food, with whatever, watching television too much, whatever that may be. That's what we're going to be more avoidant. Maybe we're not going to want to interact with our friends or our family at all. Maybe we're going to avoid praying, right? So you want to know that when you have that type of change, the one that is thrust upon you, your tendency is going to be really negative defense mechanisms that are going to only increase the pain. 
So this is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me in the next segment, the last segment, as we talk more about the pain of change. Welcome back. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host, and you are listening to Conversations with Cynthia. Thank you so much for tuning in today. And we are talking about the pain of change. And just remember that if you're just tuning in, you can go to the website at CynthiaHyatt.com and listen to the show in its entirety there, or you can download it. And you can also download it and send it to friends. So we are talking about this issue of, of change and the pain that comes from change, even if the change is positive. Any of you women that have had a baby understand. Wow, it's so amazing to have a baby, to get pregnant, especially if you've been trying really hard. But then the amount of change that comes with it, starting with your own body, there's a huge amount of change that comes with that. And there's a lot of pain that comes with it as well, even though it's this wonderful, wonderful miracle. So when we look at this saying that I've come up with, that every loss has a gain and every gain has a loss. And what happens if we don't manage the loss well or the gain well? We will then start to interact and use defense mechanisms in our life as a way to cope. And these defense mechanisms, while they help us survive, they never help us to thrive. They usually and most often create more complication for us. So we, we talked about those three types of change. And the first one is the one that I initiate. And this change is usually the most tolerable because I'm the one that at least decided to do it. And then there's the second one that is the change that's inevitable. So we know it's coming. And that's like the change of aging. We know it's inevitable. We're not necessarily happy it's come. But we're glad that it didn't just happen overnight. And the last change, which is the most difficult, is the change that is thrust upon us. This is the one we have no choice in. This is the one that we didn't even know was coming half the time. This is what we're contending with right now, that change that is thrust upon us. So we, we have to ask ourselves, when we are doing the first change, that's the one that we generate, we want to ask ourselves and, and others, you know, when I'm considering making a change and, you know, or dealing with a change, I might ask myself, you know, are these changes I need? Do I need to initiate these changes? Are these changes I need to accept? You know, is there something I can control? Do I need to accept this? What are the losses that I'm afraid of? What am I doing to manage the stress of this change? Am I letting it help me grow up? So those questions work with all three of the changes. Now, the changes that, that are predictable but unavoidable, such as puberty, aging, the seasons, right? How do I deal with these changes that are predictable? Well, number one, I go with the flow. So I accept my feelings, work through the grief and loss process. I work hard at communicating what's going on. I seek support. I work really hard at staying healthy, staying fit. I focus on what the good things are, and I address that, and I strengthen my spiritual life. So even though this change with the coronavirus is not something we initiated, we still can practice making it positive in many ways. 
we still can work on going with the flow. So let's work on being a lot more relaxed. Let's work on not taking things so personally. Let's accept the feelings that we have about this and work through the grief and loss process. Let's communicate with others and especially with God. Let's, at, let's get the support that is available for us. Let's use this time to get healthier, to stay fit. And we're going to really focus on the gains. What is a good thing that is coming from this? And we're going to really strengthen our spiritual life. So the changes that are thrust upon us, that, you know, is like what we've got right now, or the death of a loved one, 911, these types of things. These, these are the ones that are, are really unexpected. They are not self-generated. They're not predictable. And they're not avoidable. So many times, the positive or the negative change resulting from that kind of of change, that kind of loss, has a lot more to do with if I don't have good coping skills. So if my coping skills are all about addictions, if my coping skills are about hiding, if my coping skills are getting negative, it's going to make the pain worse. If I don't know how to manage stress, this is a huge one. That, that, that change, if I don't know how to manage stress well, will make the change harder. So if I don't know how to manage being with my family all the time, and I start mistreating them, I start snapping at them or sniping at them, I'm going to make this loss that we don't have the freedom we have had before. I'm going to make it worse. And then I'm going to also rely on defense mechanisms, Right? because I don't have good coping skills. Now, the other thing that occurs is I many times am resistant to the grief and loss process. And I don't like feeling pain, which, oh my gosh, I I really understand that. I still struggle with these things, even though I'm educated in this, I teach people this, I've gone through these things, I've had many losses in my life. I still have to work on these. These still are difficult to do. So managing and effectively coping with the loss and the gain, the positive and the negative stress, that type of change, if I let it, that growth that comes from really letting that change be positive causes me to have more depth as a person, have more character, have more wisdom, more substance, more maturity. And these qualities are indicative of what we call a safe person a trustworthy person, a godly person. So losses will incur. It's part of managing and growing. But do we have the willingness to accept that necessary loss? So this is really a fascinating thing. I want you to think about this. Serpents, they're very cunning and very wise. And they they are wise enough and to be willing to lose almost their entire body to live, except for their head. So what this means is that as we go through life, we must be willing to lose everything but our faith. That's our head, our head and our heart, in order to survive. But doing and living life in a way that is not doing harm, that loves without guile, that lives without falsity, If we resist change and loss, we cannot be wise and innocent. At the same time, because wisdom and innocence create virtue. 
So when change and loss are appropriately done and healthfully integrated, a person of character and virtue comes forth. Now, listen, I know this sounds really <laughs> lofty. Like, oh, that's great. Thanks for the pep talk, Cynthia. Hey, I I'm, but I'm speaking to myself. The only thing that can get me through changes that are to this degree is if I know that there's something good that's going to come out of it. And I want to be changed for the better because I don't want to learn these things over and over and over again. So I say, okay, God, I'm just going to get in and do it. I'm going to get it over with. I'm going to deal with this. I'm going to grow in the way you want me to grow. I'm going to get over myself. And I'm going to work really hard at becoming the person that you have originally designed me to be. So that when I get done with this whole process, right, of, this, of the virus that is happening to our world, my life will be better instead of worse. That's where we have choice. Am I going to let this event cause me to be a better person, bring better things into my life, healthier relationships, stronger self-worth, closer relationship with God, or... Am I going to let it make me worse? I'm going to spend my whole time complaining. I'm going to be negative. I'm going to be afraid. I'm not going to deal with my fear. I'm going to use substances or, or whatever compulsive behavior to get me through it. I'm going to be mad at everybody. I'm going to cause everyone else to, to I'm going to blame and, and do blame shifting. Or am I going to let this cause me to be a better person? So this is really, really important. And I'm not going to go through all of the uh, explaining to you all the defense mechanisms. You can look that up and read more about that. But I want you to think about, as we are coming, that we are in the last segment of this show, the most important thing that we could do to help us not do inappropriate behaviors and defense mechanisms is to deal with the grief and loss process. And this was uh, originally developed by a woman, a doctor, psychiatrist named Elizabeth Kubler-Ross. And it really is the process toward acceptance and forgiveness. And the process works like this. The, the initial loss or death of something brings shock. Shock. We can't even move forward. We're in shock. Then we usually go into denial. We're like, this can't, be, this can't be true. This can't be really happening. There's no way. This can't be true. Then we go into bargaining. And bargaining means, now that I know it's true, I'm going to do everything I can to change it so I don't have to deal with it. I'm going to talk myself out of it. I'm going to look for ways to escape it. Whatever it is that I'm going to do, I'm going to say, it's not that bad. It shouldn't be like this. I'm going to get mad at God and say, where is God in all this? How could he let this happen? God, what are you doing about this? So I'm really going to be trying to find any way I possibly can to not have to have this loss. When I figure out that that's not, that's not going to happen, the loss is the loss, I get really mad, really, really angry. And anger is one of the places that are, is hard to not get stuck in. Because the last one we have is mourning and sadness. And so many times, you know, we get over the shock, we stop, you know, denying that it's really happening. And we get tired of bargaining and trying to find a way out of it. And then we just get stuck being angry and sad. And this is really when we want to work on not doing those defense mechanisms. 
that we get through the anger and the sadness. And, and I love this verse. That Well, it's not a verse. It's a poem. And this poem, it says, I walked a mile with pleasure. She chattered all the way. She left me none the wiser for all she had to say. I walked a mile with sorrow. And ne'er a word, said she. But oh, the things I learned from her when sorrow walked with me. Because that's how we get to acceptance and forgiveness. Now understand, in something to this magnitude, we're going to be going through this a couple of times. Because we're going to kind of get ourselves right side up and feel, feel pretty okay, and then it's going to, we're going to have to go through the grief and loss process again. As we find more information, as more things are taken from us, whatever that may be. So we practice the serenity prayer. And we say, God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Living one day at a time and accepting hardships as the pathway to peace and taking, as he did, this world as it is, not as I would have it. Trusting that he will make all things right if I surrender to his will that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with him forever in the next. So thank you so much for joining me today. I really want to bless you and help you to manage this time, to have this time be poignant, to have this time be something that is memorable for the amount of positive changes that occurred, that you found out that you were more than you ever knew you could be, you fell more deeply in love with your family, with your friends, with God. And you really, really began to understand how very important you are to this world and why God is so glad he made you. And I want you to be the best version of you everywhere you go. And if you never leave the house, I want you to be the best version of yourself in the house with all the people that you live with, contend with, the people you do emails with, chat with on the phone or whatever but you be who God has created you to be and bless the world you live in this is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia join me next week have a wonderful blessed week to hear today's program again or to share it with someone else please go to CynthiaHyatt.com that's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T dot com. Follow Cynthia on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, and iTunes. Until next time, remember, be your own best version. <laughs>